Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Well, we are more than excited here to be able to be sitting down with Tim Mahoney. And we are excited because of a wonderful project. We're going to be talking about a number of projects that you've done, but specifically patterns of evidence. And I just want to say from, I mean, I'm dead serious. This I was absolutely jaw-dropped on multiple occasions watching that film. So I know I have a ton of questions, Joe has a ton of questions, but welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We've been talking on the phone at different times, and finally we connect. In fact, we were really, I was surprised to see you here, uh, because <laughs> I timing. talked to you last week, and uh, and I, you said you're going to be gone for a week, and little did we know we'd be gone at the same place, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, it's fun to talk about patterns. So No, I'm excited to talk about patterns, and some projects you have c- coming up as well, things that we're passionate about too, so a lot of the same heartbeat here. So this is, this is awesome, but... I guess, you know what, Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you because I know that you've been trying to get me to watch it as well, and finally I was able to. So I know you got a ton of questions for him. So Yeah, Chad, Chad's, a, Chad's a warrior, man. We were sitting next to him, and uh, I was like, he wanted to watch Pat. It was like two hours, you know? And uh, and I thought, I was I, I wanted to watch it with Chad and the brothers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, oh, everybody here loves Jesus. Just part of it, bro, because I'm familiar with your material. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you guys, if you haven't seen it, it there's so many, doc- oh, very few documentaries where I'm like, Man, that thing just revs up your faith radically, and and your your his videos are, are gnarly. So I'd encourage that. But uh, they're gnarly. I, that's the first time I ever heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. Uh, they're you're like you must be from California. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> super gnarly, man. Yeah. I'll use a, a California. So, so let me ask you a awesome. question because I always do interviews. What does what is the definition of gnarly? Oh man, it's it's uh, it's something that's impacting with for me with yeah. teeth you yeah know? there you go and that's what that has and and uh why don't you so jevin i got to give a shout out to brother jevin yeah. our, our live stream brother and uh he's come visit us a few times mm-hmm. uh he's just a beautiful brother but before i'd even heard of you he was like he goes he loves our stuff our videos he yeah. goes he goes joe but you know what i want you and 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 tim to to, uh, to chat he goes because he's got really good stuff too and you guys can compliment one another mm-hmm. so uh, for it's been this been the work for a couple years yeah so i was like and it's kind of funny how we're all sitting doing the interview yeah but I don't want to waste too much time on that uh, as far as getting, in, getting yeah, right. here. I want to hear from you and praise God because Devin, praise God for what he's done. But I want to encourage you, bro, to just uh, the, starting with patterns of evidence. Yeah. And some of the things that stick out most to you there that you feel that Christians need to know right. specifically regarding the timeline. Yeah. Well, the thing about the idea of patterns of evidence, uh, you know, in some ways it seemed like such an odd name. But it's such a perfect, perfect, name. yeah. Because uh, if you look at the, the the world, puts a lot of focus on science, and, and and science is built upon a pattern. And so the question then is, a lot of critics of the Bible say, well, there's no evidence for the Bible. There's no evidence for the Bible for this, and there's no evidence for the Bible for that. And what we were hearing, you know, because I'm a filmmaker, I'm not an archaeologist, I'm not a historian, I'm not a scholar, uh, even though after. After talking to him a lot, I know an awful lot more than now, you know, 20-some years later. But what we realized was that there were people who were saying, wait a minute, 
the Bible says these certain events happen, and what you can start seeing was there was a pattern of evidence showing up that for Joseph, for the person of Joseph who came into Egypt, the Bible talks about the Israelites being in Egypt and the Exodus. There was a lot of criticism about the Exodus. And um, so, in fact, when I went to Egypt the very first time, uh, I went and got to the very location where the Israelites were supposed to have lived. And I talked with this uh, Dr. Manfred Bitek, and I, and I got to him and I said, you know, have you found any evidence for the Exodus? And he says, he's Austrian, he says, so far not. And when he said that, because it was such a hard journey to get to Egypt, and it was during the time when Egypt was in political, you know, uh, uh, there was issues going on, 9-11 had happened, and uh, I had gone so far to get there, and for him to say that, all of a sudden, I was almost like uh, time stopped. And I was hit with a devastating um, sense of what? Just what did you just say? Because here's the guy who's at the location, and uh, and the reason why I think telling you this part is very very important is because and listen, some of you might have been told that you know there's no evidence for the Bible or there's no evidence for this or that, and and it basically starts to eat away at your faith, and for some people it, it wipes their faith out. They go off to college and their professors say, hey, you know, your parents told you this, but no, 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 let me tell you what the real, the real world is. And so when I came back from Egypt after being there for a month and I went to my edit suite and I used to work on weekends on this project uh, because I was, had to keep my doors open by making uh, other videos and commercials. And I sat in that edit suite one morning and I was looking at this footage and I listening to what he says and all of a sudden I, I just, I was like, I said, God, you have to help me. And I remember tears were, tears were coming down my eyes because it was like, there has to be some explanation because this is a critical, a critical situation. And at that moment, it was like a chill came into the room, a cold chill. And this thought came into my mind. Uh, everything your family has believed about the Bible, everything your mother believes about the Bible is a lie. Wow. And this total sense of it was it was a total it, it was a total sense of absolute utter desperation and horror that hit me because the hope of life was like just it was just like a chasm and at the same moment so on the left hand side this was happening on the right hand side there's another thought came into my mind very strong stop editing get up I got up go to your office I walked to the office I mean, and then I got in my office and said, go to the bookcase, read that book. And somebody had given me a book by an Egyptologist who's an, who's an agnostic, um, someone who, who has questions. They don't know what's for sure. An David Roll. Yeah, David Roll. <laughs> and so I go, I go uh, pull this book out, and they'd given this book to me. It's called, I think it was called Pharaohs and Kings. And I open it up, and I look in there, and the very site that I am looking at in the edit suite he's writing about and he's explaining uh, the evidence for Joseph and I, I was like this is amazing so I believe that God actually uh, there was a spiritual dynamic and a battle that happened when I was in that edit suite and I can tell you something that I wouldn't have been sitting here right now if I hadn't been directed towards that because that was the opening. And I think there's a lot of people today that have some kind of situation that comes into their life and it causes them to just not believe anymore and they just go off, you know? Yeah. And, and sadly, they don't, they don't look 
for the evidence, yeah. and they don't get that resolved. But what I found in this last 20 years uh, <laughs> is that there is a pattern of evidence, and it's very powerful and very amazing and very assuring that the biblical events are have happened. And in fact, you know, as a filmmaker, we have so many patterns that we know that we've got in film. We're just trying to get catch up to them yeah. to make them into films. So. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, no, I, I... That was a long answer. No, Sorry. I'm so glad that you <laughs> gave it because it is so important for us to understand all of the background that goes into this and you taking the evidence and going to where it leads. And something that I was wondering, because for me, watching the film, just like you said, patterns of evidence, evidence, just boom, enumerated with it. For you, because I'm wondering it on my end, like, what's my favorite part? I love when you go through Joseph. I mean, that was just... Yeah. Whoa, man. I And I love going through t typology with Joseph and so forth of Jesus. But for you, what was the most impactful evidence that you were like, man, we really got something here? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, the first time I heard about this, I mean, the first time in how faith is born, I remember seeing straw in mud bricks. And I'm like, wow, straw and mud bricks. Bible says that the Israelites, you know, you know, made Amen. bricks with mud and straw. Faith just grew in my heart when I saw that. This is years ago, probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And uh, I think the other thing that uh, when I when I was making the movie, the Red Sea uh, Crossing, Patterns of Evidence, Red Sea Crossing, we've got the Exodus, the Moses, Moses controversy, the Red Sea Crossing. Uh, in the Red Sea Crossing, when I stood uh, at uh, at Nueva Beach on the Gulf of Aqaba, because I've, I've stood at the different locations yeah, yeah. for crossing sites. But when I stood at that location, the sense of awe that came upon me, uh, looking at the possibility that if this was the place that the, uh, that the sea was parted, it was spectacular, you know. And a sense of awe came over me there. Now, as far as, you know, patterns go, uh, I mean, I, I, I know there's so many of them that we see yeah, that are matching up, but I, 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 I felt Joseph, the evidence for Joseph and his brothers being at that location. And what happens for the audience that doesn't know is that many people say that Ramesses, that the Israelites built the cities of Ramesses and Piton. And uh, so when this, when, what happened was when scholars looked at Ramesses, what they were doing is they were looking at a time and history and a location. So Ramesses, the Pharaoh of Ramesses lived at a particular time, 1250 BC, and, and uh, there was a particular place that he built. So they were associating the time and the place. But I think what our film is trying to say is the evidence for the Exodus is beneath the city of Ramesses. Yeah. So it's not the time of Ramesses, it's at the location of Ramesses. And what they find there is an older city that is um, that that has the pattern of Joseph and his family coming in shows a pattern for uh, 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 the small group of Israelites the type of house that they would have lived in and the fact that they were allowed to live there matches again the pattern that Joseph uh, was given permission to have his family come and live in this area right now and, if you could if you could develop that quickly as far as not quickly but I want you to stay here if you could develop it and expound upon the 12 pillars, the little pyramid, yeah. the, the, uh, yeah. the, the yeah. robe. It's right. powerful. So many colors, yeah. yeah. And, and this goes back to David Rowe. You know, uh, David Rowe was looking at Manfred Bitek's work, and he was, 
he started to understand that he saw a pattern in the Bible and he started looking at, at chronology because he saw that when, and chronology by the way is, is timelines. Like, uh, you know, uh, one thing happened at one time in history, then there's another, and there's another, and that builds a chronology uh, of events. And when he looked at the Egyptian chronology, he started to see discrepancies, major discrepancies. And in fact, there's even a, a time period where there's nothing, there, there's a big dark period in history, there's a gap, and it's throughout the Mediterranean. And so what he started to say, well, what would that impact? And he said, well, it impact the Bible. And that's when he looked and saw this connection between Joseph and what they, what Manfred Bietek, the Austrian, was digging up was he dug up a palace, and uh, uh, on top of this, the Semitic, uh, one of these main houses, there was built a palace, and there's a significance to that because that was the custom that when a, when someone else came along, they would build upon the other house, they would tear it down, and build upon it, and the idea was that when Joseph retired, he built his palace amongst his family. And uh, this palace had 12 pillars. Significant to that? Yes, well there are 12 tribes, yep. uh, 12 mm -hmm. sons of, of Israel. So it had 12 pillars. Not only that, it had 12 major graves. Uh, and one of them was a pyramid tomb. Right. And in the backyard. It's right there. Yeah, so, and the interesting thing about the pyramid tomb was that when they opened it up, this was, there was a, um, a, a statue and the statue had been damaged, it had been attacked, but it was of a Semitic person. And he had a, a type of coat that was like a coat of many colors. Twice the size of the normal statue, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a, a much larger statue. And, and so they had never ever found, in the history of Egypto Egyptology, a Semitic, a person who's Semitic in a pyramid. And if you think about the biblical text, what do we know about Joseph is he was second in command. That he was, uh, he was given uh, the highest position next to Pharaoh, and he would have been honored greatly. Yeah. And then we have the, the, there's a canal that they call it the Joseph Canal that's in Egypt, and that's what, you know, the whole idea of, of the connection of Joseph. It's amazing. But it's earlier in time. Yeah. And that's the reason why, as we started looking at this uh, events happening earlier in time, the, the, what David Roll and uh, his questioning the chronology, which is very, very difficult because everyone now has sort of uh, developed their entire chronologies around standard time. Uh, uh, it's very difficult for that to get, you know, to change. Well, anyway. Uh, that's what this film explores, yeah. is the fact that the pattern is earlier. So the, the key to this is taking a scientific approach and saying, instead of trusting upon some scholar from 1915 that made a decision, everyone builds their ideas upon Kathy that. Kenyon. Yeah, you know, different people who have earlier ideas. Yeah. What you're doing now is you're saying, well, what is the pattern we should look for? It's going back to the scientific approach. And when you find the pattern, then you end up to basically say, well, maybe this is where the event happened. So, and Joseph yeah. Roll, he is a, uh, he David has Roll. no bias. Da David Roll, I mean, yeah. Uh, David Roll. Roll has no bias confirmations for to substantiate his faith. He's an agnostic saying, wow, the pattern is perfectly biblical. And he, I, I trip out on him because he must be in his hotel room when he's traveling and stuff saying, oh, there's so much evidence for this God that seems so 
bizarre that this all would happen because you have to see that this isn't going to happen naturally, but he has to have that naturalistic explanation to a degree. But he's actually on our side basically saying, wow, the exodus and all these, uh, these details he's talking about mm -hmm. are actually confirmed with that timeline. Yes. Uh, uh, what's interesting about David is he has no problem with the exodus. Uh, uh, his, his problem is, uh, you know, when it comes to the Bible, he sees it as a historical event. Uh, and, and he loves the idea of Jesus, you know. And this is a sort of an insight because I spent a lot of time with David Rowe. His problem is with the God of the Old Testament, you know, uh, the conquest and, uh, you know, those kinds of things, which a lot of people struggle with. I haven't gotten to that point in our filmmaking, but we're heading there. Right. Uh, you know, where we're going to be dealing with that. Uh, but um, but he's acknowledging that there's this mass conquest of Canaan when Jericho falls in yeah, that timeline. Right. So he's saying, well, this happened. What you're seeing is that there was a time when all these cities fell, but it's not at the time when most scholars are thinking it would be. Yeah. Is there, you know? And that goes back to this whole time wall, uh, yeah. timeline. And we created this wall of time. It's beautiful. You know, uh, and I had to think about that. At one time, I was trying to make a tower of time. And why, why would that be? Well, because, you know, archaeology is in layers. So I was just going to have this Tower of Time. I got so busy and, and everything. Eventually, it was better to put it on a wall. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I thought, well, I don't want it to be a graph. So we, we put, put it in a desert valley and made it more interesting. We're filmmakers, too. Yeah. So we are, as far as I'm doing the contrast to other ministries, which is part of it. So we were impressed on a lot of levels, bro. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah, I know. It's so important. And one of the things that you go over as well, and... I, I know we, we love talking about it, especially when we look as, uh, into the book of Revelation as well, because it's so, when it comes to Exodus and Revelation, yeah. there's so many tie-ins, not to mention the faithfulness of God throughout the Old Testament, all, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times points back to the Exodus. And so we see that, and we also see God judging those false gods clearly in the book of Exodus with the ten plagues. Now, what was some of the evidence that you found that you mentioned in Patterns of Evidence that show ex, you know, an exterior source, not just the scriptures, that also these ten plagues were taking place as well? Right. Well, there's, this, uh, uh, do there's a document called the Ip Ipur Papyrus, or the, or the ad Admonitions of an Egyptian yeah. Sage. Now, what's very interesting about that is that there has been a reluctance to connect any of that to the Bible. And what people will say, what the critics will say is, these events are happened much before the Exodus. And what we're trying to say is, no, the Exodus happened earlier than what you thought it did. Yeah. And, and these, because they're basically trying to say, well, these are the illusions of, of the Exodus. We're saying, no, this is the event of the Exodus. So there was, uh, in the uh, Ippur papyrus, um, it's very interesting because there's a, an Egyptian who's writing uh, a poet, like poetry. These are almost like the Proverbs. These are like Proverbs uh, to the Egyptians. You know, if you're gonna teach someone this. And the document that they found, I believe, was a, a student who was writing them down, trying to learn, you know, uh, it was like, these are the things you need to know to be a good Egyptian. And, and, uh, and it's like, woe to him who, you know, um, and I, I, have, I don't have my book in front of me, uh, to, but I'm going to give you some ideas. It was like, he who pours water in the Nile, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that was what Moses did. You can look at the verses and see the verses where these different things happen. Yeah. Uh, here's water, uh, becomes here's blood. Water, the, the, you know, the river turning to blood. 
uh, the slaves are going around with jewels, uh, and he who uh, there, there's there's death everywhere, and you know they're burying their burying their their dead, and um, and there's crying and gnashing of teeth, you know, like throughout the land. I mean, all these different things that are that are matching what happened after the Passover. Yeah. So uh, that night when the death angel came. And, and and so there is um, there's well this, fleshed out there, there's a very, very and you talked about the Egyptian gods and, and later on in, in Deuteronomy what we I think it's Deuteronomy what we find out from Moses that is if you worship uh, idols you're worshiping demons yeah so the question is uh, uh, I haven't you know investigated as much as I should with the gods of Egypt uh, uh, but there's this battle, and we know that Satan was thrown from heaven. And what what did Satan want to do? Is he wanted to be worshipped like God. So Moses is telling us, if you worship uh, any kind of idols, you're worshiping demons. Right. So there's this there's this uh, almost uh, what would you call it uh, universal attraction to idolatry. Uh, and there's and, a, and a, we, you know, as you look at it biblically speaking, it's connected to demonic worship. That's right. But but people don't see it. First I mean, they just the see it as. And, and so, what inspires people to carve a piece of wood uh, into, let's say, a, an, an image? Uh, and it, the scriptures, you know, talk about this throughout. You know, that people replace the God, the one true God. And this is the battle the Israelites were at. They had to basically be taken out of Egypt. The problem was that a lot of the Israelites still had a lot of Egypt in them. You know, they were trying to go back. So when you get to Mount Sinai, yeah. what do they do? When Moses goes up to talk with God, uh, they decide to go back to idolatry again. And there was a sexual component to the idolatry. Uh, uh, there was a, and, and why is that? Because there was this connection between fertility, having children, having sex, uh, and so, in a sense, there was an attraction uh, to to participate in this. You see that in different forms of that, that and, it, and it haunts the nation of Israel. As we get to it later, you're going to see that they have these Asher poles. You know, yeah. so there's like uh, this this sexual connection, and that's what was happening at Mount Sinai. Yeah. And so, once again, there's this one true God is saying, you know, these are the commandments. Do not. Uh, you know, when the commandments finally come down, when Moses comes down, actually, he sees all this activity happening, and that's when they have this um, event where he tells the Levites, you know, to go and and to uh, kill kill their brothers, right, for doing this. Yeah. And we're in our next movie, we're coming out with a new movie, Patterns of Evidence: Journey to Mount Sinai. We're going to show potential evidence of the death of those people. Amen. Well, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and real quick, quick question, you know, I know there's some different viewpoints, you know, Bob Pernuke, and where, where do you think Mount Sinai is located? Well, that's a great question. Where is Mount Sinai? You know, I keep asking I already know questions. the answer from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have my, I have, I have places where I started with Jebel Laws because that's what I was introduced to. But I was challenged then to be more open. And so the next film, uh, Patterns of Evidence, Journey to Mount Sinai, which is coming out in the fall, uh, uh, is going to look at six mountains currently. We're looking at the six different mountains. Two in the Sinai Peninsula. Well, one, uh, we're going to look at Harkarkum. We're going to look at another one 
uh, uh, I think I'm not tr trying to remember the name of it, but it's in the middle there, uh, sort of in the northern part of Sinai, and we're going to look too in Saudi Arabia. So there's about a dozen or more uh, proposed. But what we're looking at is, well, what does the Bible say from the sea crossing? What's the route that would be taken? You know, and and how can you? Uh, what's the evidence for the route being taken? And some people come up with very clever ideas, you know, for this. So you're going to get, I think it's probably going to be two hours, or probably about four hours worth of, of you know, investigation there. Right. One of the one of my favorite deals, getting back to patterns of evidence too, is uh, it was almost comedic when you have the Dutch fellow that you're interviewing, mm -hmm. and he's like, and you're going through the papyri you were talking about earlier, as far as like that parallels, and it's 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 amazing when you got the in the film when you just go through the different things mentioned that papyrus and he's and he's it's himself astonished that it lines up he's almost like not frustrated but he's like but he's like well but it would be far too early early when that happened i'm yeah. like and it's kind of like not that you set him up but it was like well yeah you just confirmed your, your hypothesis yeah 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 it was pretty funny yeah and i think that you know the thing is a lot of people don't look at it as closely as you do when you're making a movie right yeah. i mean i look at the investigations that you've done and there's, you know, I think uh, you, when you when you do an investigation, you know, uh, you're, you're you're taking a journalistic approach. You're trying to say, okay, what are what's the information that's out there, and and, uh, and what are they saying? And that's the reason why I like to also in a patterns film have different points of view. Uh, I feel that that's that's more like the true documentary approach. You know, let's hear from the different sides, because at the end of the day, the measuring stick that I have looked at is the scripture, is the Bible. Amen. Amen. And, and so I'm saying, okay, what is it saying? How do we understand it? Some people say, oh, that's poetic, or that's, you know, is it literal? Is it poetic? Were the, when the sea parted, were there walls of water on both sides? Uh, or is it poetic? Yes, there were walls you know, of water. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, then the question then comes is, well, when does the poetic, I mean, there's times when you're listening, you know, you're reading like Song of Solomon and, or different things. And I, I don't know anything about Song of Solomon other than I know it's uh, it's a bit poetic, uh, you know. Uh, and, you know, like some people say, well, it says he, he lifted them up on eagle's wings. Well, did they get on an eagle and fly? Or what does that mean? But it does mean something. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, the, the point being, I am a filmmaker. I am not a Bible scholar. Uh, I am not a... Uh, an archaeologist, but I am trying to understand what they're saying and then look at, I think fairly, as a journalist, as an investigative filmmaker, look at the different points of view they're making, see if there's any gaps, you know. Uh, is And there have been, when I look at it, some scholars have gaps in their reasoning. Yeah. So our films are made and based on what we call dramatic logic. But it starts with logic, and so we, we go, we go uh, it should be logic that's dramatized, <laughs> but we call it dramatic logic. Uh, and so we have to look at the logic of the film, the logic of the information. And when, when you start looking at that, it starts to add up. No, I think yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, you know. Tim, we, only, we know we only have you for so long, uh, so I want to segue to another project that you've worked on, which I haven't seen, uh, but I want you to be able to share, share a little bit about that because uh, it's one of your newer projects that just happened, you finished recently. And a good segue would be Chad had mentioned, which we talked about earlier, because I was saying maybe, bro, you could do a, because uh, we're doing so many things as well, but this fits in your wheelbarrow really well. We've actually done a teaching on 
the, the ten different or the, the ten plagues and the gods of Egypt because you have to have intimate knowledge of those gods that were judged. Each plague judges a certain god, and it's actually very powerful. And you couldn't just do that as an outsider hundreds of years later from from Israel. You would have to actually have an in-depth understanding, which shows, which we believe, which is one of the your other videos, which that Moses actually wrote. You know, the Exodus. It's powerful. But uh, in the last couple of plagues, you have some of the most important, most venerated gods. I mean, you, all through it's different gods being being judged because the God of Israel says that He is going to judge the gods of Egypt, and and then you have the succession of judgments. And He says that they might know that I'm the one true God. So He wants to reveal who He really is. And the last two gods, you got Ra, who is the sun god. He's blotted out. It's just darkness. And then you have Pharaoh himself being judged, the tenth plague, and the cross. You know, you have a field day with redemption there. You know, as far as what's going on there. He's judged, Pharaoh and everybody else in Egypt that doesn't put the uh, blood on of the lamb, which is the whole picture of Jesus, another yeah. deal. That's so powerful. But then it's interesting, when you go to the book of Revelation, it's the same thing. And we were talking earlier, Pharaoh's picture of Antichrist, Jazz and Jambres are a picture of the false prophet. They're given the wings of eagles, Revelation 12, to go into the wilderness where they're nourished, like with the manna, you know, uh, the, the Jews, Israel. Christians are sealed as well by the blood of the covenant from, by the, and the term lamb, is used in the book of Revelation 30 sometimes more than the entire rest of the Bible referring to Jesus altogether. But I want, but what blows me away is the Antichrist is like Pharaoh, who can make war with him? But the judgments that come upon his kingdom reveal just like to Moses or to the Egyptians, there's one true God. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is Chad and I, which I thought this is kind of crazy, we just did a men's retreat. We went through all seven churches. A bunch of our brothers, we got a, a live stream churches and beautiful brothers that were like on the East Coast because we live in California. We're like, can you guys do a men's retreat? I go, Chad, we'll do the seven churches. I've taught through the seven churches a few times now, verse by verse, years spending the seven churches. And I thought, oh man, I go, he did a, you know, we just talked about it. You did a, uh, a, a series from an archeological standpoint of the seven churches. Can you flesh that out a little bit? Yeah, when this film actually came about because Patterns of Evidence was on Netflix and uh, some uh, French uh, believers saw it. And that inspired them to actually uh, go, hey, what if we did this? And we, they went to Turkey, and they ended up doing a, a film on the seven churches of Revelation. It's a series, and it did really well, and it went into, uh, it went into their main uh, television uh, you know, cable network. And uh, they came here to NRB, and we're, uh, they sent a, an agent here, and wanted to know if uh, I would be open to marketing the film. And uh, um, it took a lot for me to think about it because I'm busy with the other things. Sure. But I, as I thought and prayed about it, I decided that I would help. But we decided to turn the first four episodes into one film and the last five into another film. So the first film came out in the fall, and it was called uh, The Seven Churches of Revelation, uh, uh, t Times of Fire. And we picked Times of Fire because of the, of the uh, persecution that we see. And what we were looking at in that particular film was uh, relating it to the fact that uh, the churches that are faithful, not all the churches are faithful, yeah. and the ones that are faithful then are under a very much a, a, a persecution, uh, but they are also churches that are filled with God's, the fire of God's spirit and they're able to endure that persecution. Uh, and so uh, the Times of Fire I think was very relevant for today and what we see happening around the world. 
Uh, and this next film is about it called. It's coming out this month, or it's coming out in April, uh, called Times of Deception. And some people would say, well, that would be Seven Churches Times of Deception. It actually should be called Times of uh, Compromise. But I think the churches were deceived, and then they compromised. Interesting. Because if they really, really understood what they were doing, they wouldn't have compromised. That's right. If they were being deceived that they could be like the world, or they were becoming lukewarm. And so uh, if you go to the number seven churches, the number seven, and then churches.com, you can learn more about that film. Uh, and once again, it's taking a, an archaeological look at the locations made by a French uh, Christian. Uh, he has a European you know, approach to, to making this. And then we were able to translate it and get a, a narrator. Uh, and that, and they, they're going to work together really well. But the reason I think they're important is because many films on Revelation are pointing at, well, this is the Antichrist, and this guy is this, and then history changes, and then it's not. And then people go, oh, I don't know if that's true at all. What this is really asking a question is, is a bigger question, which is, are you prepared? Oh, yeah. Because I think, are you prepared is more important than, okay, who is it, or which way is it, you know, what's going to happen next? Because preparing ourselves means, is my family prepared? Is my heart prepared? Do I have the... Uh, the depth. Do I have my? Do I know scriptures? If someone were to take my Bible away, would I be able to even, you know, know what my faith is based on? You know. So, are there things that we have to prepare ourselves? Do we have a, a deeper walk with the Lord? And I like. I'm very curious by the uh, the um, the the parable about the ten virgins. Do yep. you know about that? Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, of course you do. Uh, but, but I mean, uh, let's talk about that for a minute, because five virgins, I mean, they all went there, they were all invited to the same thing, but the oil ran out. Yeah, on they all had oil originally. Yeah, yeah. but some of them didn't have enough. So yeah. what does that mean? I'm asking yeah. you a question. My, my personal <laughs> conviction yeah. is I believe that, the, that they represent, because I do believe the church is going to face tribulation, and we're post-trib, yeah. that's what's early church's position, and that's what the, we believe the Bible teaches. So I believe the ten virgins uh, represent a, a picture of the church, uh, and they all have oil. And I also believe you have to abide in Christ, that we have choice. And they all have oil in the beginning. They fall asleep. Uh, they're wo they're awoken, but five are running out of oil. I believe the oil represents the Holy Spirit. We see that in Zechariah and other passages, uh, Revelation chapter 11 as well. And I believe the light is the, 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 the lamp. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light of my path. So the, the the uh, the lamp is the word of God, and a lot of people have their Bibles, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I believe that a lot of people will wake up, they have their Bibles, but then what happens is five are not abiding in, in, in the Lord, and they're either ones that run out of the oil, and then the door is shut and it's too late. And then five of them don't make it. I believe that's a picture of a lot of the church in the end not being ready because when Jesus returns, Revelation seventeen fourteen it says, "With him are those who are the called, the chosen, and the faithful." Back to the book of Revelation, those faithful brides, faithful virgins kept their oil. And that's that's the reason why I think the Seven Churches of Revelation, this film, is a very good film for us to watch. Because it helps us to start seeing what happened to those early Christians, and then how does it relate to us today. Because those different churches represent different facets of Christianity throughout the centuries, I believe. Well, well, I agree, well, too, yeah. In, in, in a confirmation of what you're yeah. saying right there is when Chad and I, and I've been through the churches several times, but when I, we did the Church of Ephesus, you know each church is a lamp, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. And their lamp, the church at Ephesus, they've left their first love. 
that we emphasize truth and love. Now they're emphasizing dot your theological eyes and your cross your theological T's, which is great. You've tried those who say they're apostles and are not, have found them liars. You hate the D's and the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. They're doing good that way. But yep. Jesus said the love of many would grow cold in the last yeah. days. And they're a picture of the church that's a historical church, but it's also he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. They drift from their first love. He warns them that it'll take their lampstand out of its place. If your lampstand is out of the place of Jesus and not abiding in Christ anymore, then you don't have the oil anymore. Right. That's a huge concern. This is really scary. It all and ties I, together. And I think that usually what happens is, is you don't realize uh, the position you're in until it's too late. Yeah. And this is the wake-up call. This is the reason why, you know, I, I, had, I did a, a video blog once. I said, you know, I went to a battleship. And you realize that when, when their battleship is in war, each person has to man their battle station. And I think that this is the thing is a lot of people don't n realize that they have something that they're supposed to be doing. And, uh, and so Tell anyway, us. yeah. So th this, is, this is part of the calling that we have uh, and we're, uh, we're excited about, about making films. You know, I'm, I'm just beyond excited because I know that when we get back to our studio, I want to have you back on specifically after this film comes out as well that you're promoting. We'd love to have you guys back on. I don't know if we could also bring maybe even the other guys uh, from France that are yeah. a part of it or something. Have you guys talk about it because it's a hard cry passion for us because we hear the call on every seven church, on every single one of those churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says in seven churches. Yeah. So when we see that, we're saying, wait, this isn't a closed book for, for you know, for a certain time this is for us and we really need to to grasp that so i want to thank you so much yep. for for coming on the show and we do with we do want to have you back and we'll be excited to have you well, i love to tim we back. love you brother keep pressing on thank, thank you i'm I glad that you. we're gnarly stay gnarly for jesus gnarly interview too okay <laughs> god bless okay god bless you've been listening to the good fight radio show brought to you by good fight ministries if you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.